Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. This is episode 985, my interview with Grace Marshall. We're discovering her new book, Struggle. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Grace. Welcome back to the Hidden Why podcast. So pleased to be here again, Lee. Thanks for having me. You've been busy writing books. I have indeed. You've got a new book called Struggle, The Surprising Truth, Beauty and Opportunity Hidden in Life's Shittier Moments. That's which right. um you know you've it's it's a, a bit of a different angle because we've come on the show previously episode 229 so quite a while ago actually and um you're all about productivity and what I was interested in when I was speaking with you about productivity is that you were you describe yourself as fairly disorganized and that's why productivity became your thing and now you help millions of others with their productivity is that correct yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I got to the millions yet, but definitely in the thousands. <laughs> <laughs> helping helping people anyway with their yeah. productivity. And I love the topic of productivity, but today's a little bit of a different topic with your book in mind uh, and struggle. And I'm, I'm guessing this is quite similar. You probably have written this book off the back of your struggles and how you've maybe used those struggles as opportunities rather than setbacks. Yeah, well, actually, it came from an observation through the work I do in productivity. So in the world of productivity, often people kind of reduce it to it's just about doing more stuff and being more efficient, getting things done quicker, faster and, and, and better. And um, and the words I'm struggling are often seen as the opposite of being productive. But um, what I noticed was that that doesn't tell the full story of struggle or of productivity. So it was really something that I noticed um, plays a part in all of our work and all of our lives. There are sometimes times when things just feel hard, um, but there are also times where it feels like struggle is getting in the way of us trying to do our best work. But actually, at the same time, it can also be the birthplace of our best work. So um, I guess it really bore out of not just my own experience, but what I was observing in um, clients that I work with, uh, people that I, your companies, organizations, teams, and individuals that I've, I've worked with over the years. Yeah, gotcha. Nice. Can you give us an example of a struggle that's sort of that scenario? Just to put it in well, perspective. Well, yeah, I mean... You've probably got plenty. If we, if we think about the pandemic... In the past year, for example, that's been a struggle for a lot of people. Um, mm. Yeah, we've had businesses who've had to completely rethink their business model. Um, I, I think um, Think Productive, which is the organisation I do a lot of my corporate work with, you know, I think they got to a point where they just stopped revising the business plan because it just kept changing so quickly. Um, but actually, what we've also noticed in this time is that um, innovation and change has been happening faster than ever before. Mm. Um, so you've got you know, workplaces that have previously said we can't trust our people to work from home all of a sudden had to. Um, and even people who went, oh, no, I don't think I can do virtual meetings, all of a sudden they had to. And in having to kind of almost when the conventional route is shut, um, sometimes that's what it takes for us to go to the slightly more unconventional um, ways. And that's often where innovation happens. That's, you know, it's on the periphery, not at the core. Yeah, yeah. And I guess everyone listening can probably relate to the struggle of the pandemic that they've had in their own lives and, and how, how things have now changed and become, I guess, the new normal in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, and then there's also times when we make mistakes um, yeah, there's, so there's times when things go wrong when it feels like the, the world is um, conspiring against us. But there's also times when we get it wrong. And even then, sometimes they can be actually 
um, you know, that can be good information as well. So mm. sometimes when, um, so in my own business, for example, when I've maybe taken on a client and then realized actually that was probably not the best fit for me um, or mm. had a particular inquiry that went horribly wrong. Um, those aren't pleasant experiences, but actually if I, if I, the thing about struggle is if we see it as a sign of failure, we're much more likely just to shut down and go, well, you know, mm. I just need to move on. But actually, if you start to see it as the birthplace of maybe opportunity um, or even just good learning, we um, we pay attention to it instead. And so I've noticed that those really kind of um, frustrating, disappointing or irritating times in growing my business have also been the times when I've learned the most in my business. I don't know. Has it been the same for you, Lee? Look, I think I think struggle. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a bit of a mindset to handle it. And, and that's a question that I'd probably ask you is, is when you observe your clients going through struggle, how typically do most people handle it? Do they use it as an opportunity or do they struggle uh, with that struggle? You know, and, and for me personally, I feel that um, most of the moments that we look back in um, that we've really enjoyed have some level of struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're the moments too that have a lot of the reward. Um, certainly if I look back... I remember once I went camping and, and we had a big rainstorm come through and we were struggling through it because it was wetting everything and we were under this big tarp uh, canopy and all sort of huddled together trying to keep everything dry. And, you know, it wasn't really what you want to be doing when you're going camping, but mm-hmm. it's the, some of the fondest memories of that trip. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it can be taken that way. But how, how do you find when you've observed your clients, etc., going through struggle, how do most people handle it? Well, I think often what happens is our our instinct is to go into fight or flight mode. So Mm. it's a stress response that we tend to have um, you to struggle. And often, you know, that's that's a response that comes from fear. Um, And there's, you know, there's a lot of good reasons why that happens. But there's a lot of unhelpful things that come out of it as well. So our fight and flight response tends to give us narrow vision. Um, it tends to give us tunnel vision. It's just basically how do I home in on either the weak spot in my opponent or the find the escape route. Whereas if you're struggling, say, with a difficult um, work relationship, a difficult client or a difficult colleague, for example, having tunnel vision that gets you into a space of either avoiding procrastinating from that conversation or you know, charging in headlong and fighting that person is probably not going to be helpful, mm. right? Um, and equally for you, like, you know, being um, you know, in that rainstorm, you know, trying to run away or fight the situation isn't going to be helpful. Um, so what we need to do is almost recognize, ah, OK, I'm in struggle right now. Um, recognize the the emotion, so the hurt or the frustration or, or whatever it is that's going on. But then what we can do is activate um, curiosity in the face of fear. Mm. Um, so where fear will say, you know, shit something's gone wrong um you know fear will go oh uh, sorry curiosity will go oh you know something's happening like that's mm. interesting um, yeah. and that can yeah, just activate a different perspective that can then maybe help us to either see the funny side of the situation or you know, the fondest memories that you talked about there or even just to see some different ways forward rather than just um fight or flight how do you how do you recognize these moments like is there a way to just pause is about being mindful yeah i think part of it is and i think a part of it is noticing um so you know just um you know, recognizing when you are 
I think most people know if you, if I ask you kind of you know, how does it feel when you're stressed? How does it feel when you are you know either maybe panicking or feeling anxious or just kind of you see the red mist? So some people for some people it's like that they go rhino mode and they want to charge ahead. Um, for some people it might be um, a feeling of anxiety um, or you, know, you can notice certain things in your body as well. So like if your breathing gets more um, shallow. Um, sometimes it's uh, for some people it, they go into fixing mode they, it's like I need to fix this right now and it's like I need to control that situation um, I call it sometimes I call it the toilet paper moment mm-hmm. so um, um, I, I don't know did you get this over in Australia and um, so I'm yep. in the UK <laughs> and we have the, the toilet paper um, you know, people kind of going out and, and stockpiling toilet paper during the pandemic did you get that too yeah yeah absolutely Yep. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, it wasn't even a stomach bug virus. So it's not as if, oh, OK, if I catch COVID, I'm going to need more toilet paper. Um, but it was the thing that people go, tend to go to to get some kind of control. Hmm. Oh, the fear. Um, mm. I, I suppose that that moment of recognizing, because, look, you, I'll work through struggles and I guess I don't really pause to think about it at the time. I'll probably just push through or. Or run away, I guess. I don't really know. I think I'm probably more tendent to, to keep going and figure out a way. But sometimes mm-hmm. I'll probably get frustrated and, and do give up, so I can relate to that. Um, so really that, that moment of, of recognising and reflecting is, is probably something that we need to train ourselves to do. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And you know, and sometimes it also just comes from conversation as well. Mm. Um, so really interestingly, struggle is universal. We all have it and yeah. we all experience it, but we very rarely talk about it because it seems to be a bit of a taboo. So it's like, oh, I don't want to admit I'm struggling because, um, you know, someone might think less of me or that I can't cope. Or, you know, so there's all this um, baggage that we seem to attach to struggling. And well, yet- you talk about the, um, the social media world too, you know, how we're so externally focused and, you know, if, if something doesn't go right or if we... If we're seen to failure, that's not really good. So we we make sure we avoid um, talking about it at all costs. Yeah, absolutely. And even even when we do talk about it, we don't only talk about it as like the um, the journey to the fairy tale ending. So if you if you hear a motivational speaker, for example, talk about the adversity that they've overcome, they only tend to talk about it at the point where they've overcome it and they've got a happy ending to share. Nice. Um, whereas yeah, we rarely very rarely talk about it when we're in the middle of it. But actually, but the the effect of that is that we when we are in the middle of it and we don't want to talk about it we just want to look away mm. we're just trying to get through it rather than pay attention to what's going on yeah do you think it's a it's a it's a um a deliberate practice of of talking about it at the end rather than the middle because i sort of think of a struggle and and maybe naturally we're more inclined to talk about it at the end because we've pushed through it and that's the part that's really rewarded us uh, mm. and perhaps that middle part we can't even remember that well you know of doing it because yeah, yeah, that, that reward is probably that overwhelming that it clouds that sort of space. Mm, yeah, it could be. But then at the same time, that means that if we, there are certain times where maybe we push through and we don't feel like we're getting there and then we don't have the reward. Hmm. And then we're far more likely to just go, oh, okay, that didn't work. And, and sort of almost shove it on the carpet or hide it hmm. away. Um, and move on to the and next yet thing. there are still, exactly, move on to the next thing. And I see that sometimes in coaching clients that it's, um, so for some, some people will just keep getting stuck in struggle and it's like, it's overwhelming and they can't move on. Other people almost move on too quickly. Hmm. So it's like, well, this isn't working for me. Um, I'm going to move on to something else. 
and then that's not working for me then I'm going to move on to something else right. and it's almost like they're, they're out trying to outrun themselves um whereas actually what probably would be more helpful for them is to recognize okay I'm struggling with this what what does that actually mean you know is it a sign is it really a sign that I'm in the wrong place or actually, is it a sign that I'm at the edge of my comfort zone and I'm about to go into my stretch zone and that maybe this sense, this sense of discomfort is exactly how it's supposed to feel hmm. when I'm growing, when I'm stretching, when I'm you know, going into uncharted territory, you know, all of those things. So like at the moment, um, we, we're a year and a bit into the pandemic. We're looking at, okay, are things going to go? So we, people are talking about going back to normal or going into a new normal. Um, we're still very much in uncharted territory. So for leaders, for example, um, they're having to say a lot of, I don't know, because we don't know. And yet, um, you know, it's really uncomfortable to go there to say like, oh, actually, I don't know the answers. Um, but if we're in uncharted territory, what we need to hear from our leaders probably far more often is um, a sense of humility or a sense of truth of saying, actually, I, we don't know all the answers right now, but this is what we're going to do. Hmm. Um, so there's there's something there, I think, about the vulnerability of struggle that some people really struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so have you got any examples of yourself, like with a big struggle recently that you've gone through? Oh, well, there's quite a few different um, stories in the book um, mm. I talk about. So, um, Can you share uh, one of which those? one shall I tell? Yeah, sure. So, um, one example was a mistake that I made. So, mm -hmm. um, it was, uh, I was working with a, um, we were talking to a potential client. So, it was a large company. We'd been talking to them for a while about running a quite a large scale development program for them. Um, and they wanted to see me in action first. Um, we don't do that many public workshops that people can come and kind of see. Um, we, actually, we've started doing more of them now since we've gone online. But it, back in those days, most of my workshops were in-house um, mm. where it's harder to get a different company to come in and, and observe it. But I was, I did have one coming up and it was for a, a membership organization. Um, and I thought, okay, this will work. Um, so I forwarded the details to her. I said, yeah, this is happening on this date. Um, would that work for you? If so, I'll add, get you added to the guest list. And, and um, yeah, and she came back and said, yeah, that's great. Um, book me in, really looking forward to it. So um, I you know, send the details to the organizers and I said, yeah, they'll send you all the kind of joining instructions, that sort of thing. And then when it got to that week, I think this particular event was on the Wednesday. And um, on the Tuesday morning, I was sat on the train heading off to another workshop and, and I started looking at my emails and I spotted an email from this um, client contact saying, hey, really looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Um, you know, I can stay afterwards to have a chat. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing you in action and then, you know, having a chat afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that she'd sent it the night before. Oh. So her tomorrow was the day I was reading this email heading off to a different workshop. So I start thinking, okay, does she mean tomorrow, tomorrow or tomorrow today? Um, and then I start looking through my email trail and I noticed that when I'd first sent her the link, I sent her the correct link, but I had said it was on the 18th when it was actually on the 19th. Oh. So I'd given her the wrong date. Yeah. Yeah, now it's a really simple mistake but when you're trying to make an impression 
when you're trying to make a good impression, you're trying to um, you win a client. And when your job is, you know, when you're a productivity ninja, which means your life is, your job is about making other people's lives easier, making a mistake like getting the date wrong um, is is something that hurts. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically um, how I responded at the time was I, I just thought, okay, you know, I picked up the phone, I tried to call her, hoping that she hadn't set off yet. I left her a voicemail. I called my colleague who was working with, with me on the account and kind of told her what was going on. I sent an email as well to follow up to go, I'm really hope you haven't set off yet. Um, I've got, yeah, I made a mistake. I got the dates wrong. It's actually tomorrow, not today. And there was all sorts of stuff going through in me at the time. So, you know, um, that, that kind mm-hmm. of sense of guilt, that sense of shame, mm-hmm. that sense of, oh, how stupid of me to get this wrong and yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff, right? Um, and what actually happened was, um, you know, my colleague was amazing. She was like, Grace, you're human. Like, hurrah, you are human after all. And um, and the, when the client called me back, she was like, it's okay. I've you know, got your message. I haven't set off yet. Um, but, um, yeah, I can rearrange things and I can make it tomorrow. So, yeah, I'll be there. And that moment where I just felt like I was falling because I had made a mistake and, and all of this stuff was happening, what happened was that I felt like I'd been caught. So the the, the, the two people in their response to my mistake hmm. actually caught me when I felt like I was going to fall and, and hit the ground. Hmm. Um, and somebody said to me recently, yeah, but Grace, maybe you just got lucky. Like they were really kind in their response to your mistake. And I was like, well, yeah, no, I don't think it's luck, though. I think it's a gift. I think it's a gift we can give each other. Hmm. Um, but it's it's also, so that there were two things I thought about that. I thought, you know, yes, it's a gift, and we can only give that gift to each other if we've got margin ourselves. So if if that client, for example, was really stressed and, and was up against it, and then, you know, I'd messed up, she may not have responded quite so kindly. So I think there's a lesson there in how much margin do we have to allow ourselves to respond generously to other people's mistakes. What do you mean margin um, in that situation? Um, I think it means like not so. So, for example, for her, yeah, there's the practical margin in that she could rearrange things. But I think more in terms of the mental and emotional capacity. Um, so like, imagine if, if you're, um, oh, remind me, Lee, do you, do you have kids? I do. I've got two girls. Yeah. Okay. How old are they? Nine and six. No, nine and yeah, six. Yeah, right. nine and six. So, so like, if you're really, um, you, if you if you're relaxing, you're pretty chilled, and I don't know, they they smash a plate yeah. or they do something, right? You're probably more likely to go, oh, okay, what happened there? Right, we need to clean it up, and you'd probably react in in a fairly, um, you know, calm manner, or maybe you know, with a sense of humor or or whatever. But if you're maybe you're you're stressed and you're just about to run out the door and you're late for an important meeting and then that happens, hmm. you know, how are you going to respond then? Yeah, there's two different scenarios. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, talking about your example um, and this example that you're giving me now, it's, you know, having composure in these moments. Mm. You know, because when you go throughout struggling, you have those feelings of guilt, shame, whatever. Um, or when I'm, you know, rushing out the door and feeling quite overwhelmed and busy and frustrated already, and then someone, sm- my kids smash a plate, you know, if you don't have composure in those moments, it's very hard to then use that struggle as, as an opportunity as such. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I think there's a lesson in there that's actually, sometimes we think of productivity as cramming in as much as possible. Um, yeah. But actually, the more breathing space we have, the more we're able to deal with the things that we can't plan for. So the more, the, the better we're able to respond with composure, whether it's a mistake that we've made or a mistake that somebody else has made. Um, so so that, that was yeah, one of the lessons in that situation. But the other lesson when some when that person asked me, you know, said to me, did you just get lucky? What would you have done if mm. she hadn't responded well? Yeah. And I realized that actually still, I, you know, my response would still have to be, OK, so I need to own what's happened. Mm. Um, but I still have a choice whether, you know, how I respond to her. So uh, I could respond with um, with composure, with, you know, I'm really sorry I've made that, you know, I've created this inconvenience is there anything we can do to to make it right? Or I could respond equally. I could respond with a lot of blame or shame. So I could either respond badly towards her or I could respond badly to myself. Hmm. And I could end up beating myself up and going, I'm never going to let this happen again. And that can fuel my perfectionist tendencies. So next time I'm going to, everything I do, I'm going to double, triple check and overwork so that I don't get caught out again. And that that has got its own cost as well, hasn't it? Absolutely. If we, if we go down that road. Yeah. Um, so I think my answer to like what would I've done if she hadn't responded well, I think came back to whilst I've still got to pull it back to purpose. And my purpose in that situation is to try and make a good impression. Mm. So even if I haven't put you know, even if I've made a mistake, how I respond in that mistake is still there's still a choice there of like, how do I show how do we show up when we're not at our best? Um, you know, it, it can be can still make a good impression compared to how do we show up when we're at our best. And yeah, we see that sometimes in like customer services or in, you know, when, when things go wrong for companies, like how do they respond in that moment? How do we respond in the times where things aren't going well can mm. actually tell a lot about us. Um, and sometimes they can, those are the moments that can grow and strengthen relationships even more than when things are plain sailing. Yeah, yeah. It's really good to reflect on all that because I think, you know, number one is the comes to me is composure and, and trying to practice the art of composure um, because there's so many situations in our day-to-day -day lives where it's really hard to keep, you know, composed. Um, mm. and, and, the, and the part of that that I think is important um, with all those emotions that may be brought to the surface in those difficult situations is remaining, you know, on purpose, like you said, thinking about, you know what you're actually trying to achieve um but then just being normal like being natural being authentic um mm. you know in those situations because it's it's easy not to be and it's easy to try and to cover the truth or to cover you know whatever it is to to save face i guess and to, yes. to hide the vulnerability um Absolutely. because i guess that's what we're all doing um how do you you know how do you think people could practice composure like is it just through experience and and through reflecting or is it other things we can do i think it actually comes from so it comes from two things it comes from recognition first so recognizing those emotions so that the yeah, the shame the blame the guilt um composure actually doesn't come from denying those it comes from recognizing them and then you know, choosing our response because if we if we try and deny those feelings and bottle them up um it's like squeezing toothpaste it's going to come out somewhere um so it's you know 
it, it's a really interesting one because we a lot of people think well surely composure is like like the swan on the surface and mm. who's paddling really you know, frantically underneath that's that's a very typical image that we have but what that often gets translated to is you know i'm actually really frantic but i'm just pretending i'm not mm. whereas you know whereas actually what you really want to do is just notice okay i'm paddling like mad why am i paddling like mad what's going on and then you know, and then maybe asking some of the que- those questions of like, do I need to paddle like mad here? Um, so, you know, so for example, the fight and flight fear response will often, you know, when when that happens, it will be saying things like, um, you know, for me in that situation, it was things like, oh, that was a really stupid thing to do, um, and it's you know, I could use that to beat myself up, or I could go, huh, yeah, okay. That didn't go well, um, you know, and, and kind of just acknowledge and feel that and mm. then go, well, what does that mean? What is fear telling me it means? So fear will tell me, well, that means that they're never going to trust you again um, or you know, that they're going to think really badly of you. But you know, what else could it mean? Uh, could it mean that I'm human? And, you know, and, um, you know, and, and so it can mean that I show up more authentic, like you say, rather than less authentic. Yeah, well, it might be an opportunity to... Um to create that authentic connection with the other party, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, to a next level as well. And I think people people would appreciate that. Well, people do appreciate that much more than you trying to cover it up, you know, and, and make excuses and, and avoid ownership. If you take responsibility and are fully vulnerable, people mm-hmm. will appreciate that and you're more likely to get a better response, um, even if, you know, if it was inconvenient to her and created a lot of frustrations to that person. Um, she probably would have appreciated it at a more, more higher level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I think it comes from it comes from two things. It comes from the recognition, hmm. so feeling the feeling, um, and it's feeling those feelings without letting without feeding it or without letting it take over. Um, and then it's um, what I call activating curiosity. Um, so, yeah. you know, the, the kind of just asking that, you know, just start asking yourself questions like, what am I making this to mean? What else could it mean? Um, what's going on here? Where am I feeling drawn to? So if I know that I'm a fixer, which I am, yeah, where am I drawn to like trying to take control or to fix things? And is that really going to help? And maybe like that whole bring it back to purpose. What was my purpose here again? And and how do I still serve that purpose in this situation? Um, And that those kind of questions will help to get me back on track. Um, and, and those are, um, so I talk about in the book, I talk about the, what I call the three shits model. Um, yeah, the first, first is, oh shit. It's just that that's the recognition. It's like noticing, oh shit, something's gone wrong or Mm -hmm. this hurts. The second is what is the shit? And so that's when you start to activate curiosity and then that will lead on to third, which is holy shit, uh, which is the, the revelation. It's like, that's when you discover so it might be like, holy shit, yeah, this, this is you know, still the moment that I can connect with this person or we can still build a relationship here. Or holy shit, it, you know, these people caught me and it's okay to be human and it's okay to make mistakes. Um, or sometimes it might be, holy shit, we can't run um, you know, face-to-face workshops anymore because of the pandemic. But guess what? That means that there are other opportunities that we can create. Um, and so... You know, that that kind of revelation is what comes from those um those two phases of recognition and reckoning yeah i like it <laughs> good good way to put it it's like recognizing then reflecting on what it is and then the discovery part as well yeah that's of it. the process i like it what um who do you look up to like when applying curiosity to situations is there any 
particular people you look up to as and admire for for their ability to practice that curiosity? Um, I think um, in terms of sort of big names, I, I have a huge amount of admiration for Brené Brown. I think she, you know, her mm. work in sort of vulnerability and how we kind of rumble with our emotions and that kind of thing. You know, it's um, she's got some really really useful stuff there. Um, I've got also my and how own... vulnerable is she? Hey, <laughs> when you hear her speak. Right. It's exactly. um it's really good to watch like to well to read her books but to watch her as well and and I think the more we can do of that the more um you know the 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 ability for us to be vulnerable will yeah. come through and there's just so much magic in that space. Yeah, exactly. Um and I love that yeah she always still you know, talks about being on the journey as well. So it's not like I got to the end of the journey, I've made the map and I'm now I'm going to talk you through it. It's like mm. we're doing this as we go along. Mm. Um and again going back to you know I think that ties in well with what we talked about earlier about having those conversations in the middle of the struggle. So yeah, you know, when she's talk, writing about her stuff, she's she's using her own examples because she's still going through it herself. Mm. Um so I think that's, um, yeah, I, I get a lot of my inspiration from her. Um, I've got some friends who are just naturally really curious, who just ask really awkward questions. Um, so I, I quite like, you know, I sometimes take my inspiration from them as well. Of, um, do, they, do they ever get put on the spot for their awkward question asking? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's... it's 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 a gift and, you know, obviously it can be overused sometimes, but um, yeah, it careful. can be a gift. Yeah. So yeah, but I can see you know, sometimes I can go, okay, so you know, what would you know, what would Jude say in this situation or what would Graham say in this situation? And and that would kind of you know, channel I can channel my inner questioner that way. Yeah. Um yeah, and, and start to get curious. But also, you know, I'm a coach. So a lot of what I do is ask my clients questions. So sometimes just putting that coach hat on to go, okay, if this was a client in this situation, what questions would I be asking them? That can be helpful as well. Hmm. Yeah. I like those awkward questions. The, um, the part of this that I think is, is really important to take away is, is that ability to give yourself space. Um, because if you don't give yourself that, it's going to be very difficult to, to have that, you know, part of uh, recognition and reflection and then to have that part of discovery. Um, do you, do you find that people are just so reactive? Like in that moment where you knew you made a mistake, um, you could have just reacted very quickly and that mm-hmm. could have made the situation worse. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we, we can get really reactive and and a lot of our working culture sort of promotes that. Um, so you know, mm. a lot of our working culture is around speed and, and people get rewarded for how quickly they reply to emails and, you know, and things like that. So I mm. think what that does is it primes us for more and more of that fight and flight response rather than the considered creative or compassionate response. Um, so I think it's, it's really quite countercultural to give yourself space. Um, but it's something that we can practice. I think, I yeah. think we can notice when we don't have enough space and go, hang on, something needs to change here, but we can also practice it. So in the moments so of Brené Brown has this thing where she just chants like pain, 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 pain as a way of just noticing. Um, and in the same a similar way, that oh shit moment, even just go, I'm having an oh shit moment or even just going shit, shit, shit. <laughs> you know, that can be sometimes a, a way of in the moment creating space that allows kind of the rest of your brain to catch up. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think you're absolutely right. The culture of speed is is really critical and even emails you know you see an email come through and 
you just watch people. I, you know, I do it myself. And but if you watch someone do it, you sort of reflect on your habits a bit more too. I think so. You know, I could see someone get an email, a colleague, and then immediately wanting to respond, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. You know, why we we don't have to? Doesn't you know? We're mm-hmm. not always going to be in front of our email, so there's no need for that. It's not like it's a life and death situation, so there's no need for that. And yet here we are immediately responding. And I said, and what, what's that going to do? Like how, how well have we thought out this response? Mm-hmm. Um, and I do it myself and I'll, I'll often catch myself starting to type and I'll go, hang on, hang on. And I'll have to delete the email and I'll just pause and, you know, I go, I'll just come back to it later. Give myself that time. Yeah. Because I feel when your emotions are that charged too, you're likely to well, not think as clear and blurt mm-hmm. out things that you don't want. But if you go away and come back, you're going to be calmer. The emotions aren't going to be there you're going to be a little bit more mindful about the response. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I often yeah, I call that one email rage. So it's like road rage, but with email. Yeah. Um, you know, and even just giving it a name helps you to go, ah, hang on, I'm experiencing email rage right now. Like walk away from the computer, do not press mm. send. Um, and you're, you're absolutely right there because um, you know, sometimes if something presses your buttons, if it triggers something um, and you go into fight on flight mode, you're going to respond as if, you someone is dying or as if someone is attacking you and your well, life exactly, is in danger yeah. mm. um and you know, and and that's what often ends up creating even more struggle because that's often going to make things worse um but yeah i think you're absolutely right the a lot of us just you know get into almost kind of default mode of reaction um and i i think i've noticed that increase over the pandemic as well because mm there's been so much uncertainty and so much change um, and and the fact that there's been a physical, an actual pandemic, so there is a, a life threat out there somewhere. Um, I think all those things add together and they make our um, our limbic system, which is the, you know, our lizard brain, basically the part of our brain that's responsible for that fight and flight response, um, it makes that more sensitive. So, you know, if you, and, and, and if you're aware of it, you can spot it. So, you know, if you know that you've been going through a high stress or a high high uncertainty kind of situation, then just you know, you'll notice, ah, do you know what? I am responding to those emails that come in as if yeah, everything is a threat right mm. now and I'm having to respond to it like that. And just if you catch yourself doing it, then that gives you the opportunity to go, whoa, hang on a minute, stop, you know, walk away like you say, you know, take a break, come back when I'm thinking clearer rather than just pounce and react yeah yeah and i think you know email rage or even if it's in a situation where you're you're directly with someone you know it's easy to to react but if you can just find uh that moment where you can just chill and relax and even walk away and come back that's Mm going to certainly help in those situations too yeah definitely and it yeah it goes both ways as well so you can notice Mm. fear in yourself but you can also notice fear in other people so you, if you're with somebody and you're noticing that they're getting really agitated about it, if um, you know, if you feel like, whoa, hang on a minute, why are they getting so defensive and they're attacking and they're saying things that are really unreasonable and you start fighting back, that can just end up fueling the situation. Whereas if you notice the fear in them and go, oh, hang on a minute, they're in lizard brain mode. Yeah, they're responding to this situation as if it's a threat. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're panicking then you, you know, that might give you the opportunity to think, uh, you know, rather than sort of argue with them in terms of what's coming, you know, what's, what they're throwing at you, it might give you a situation to go, 
okay, hang on a minute. What's um what's your real concern here? What's the worry here? Um, so you can maybe start to speak to that fear a little bit, or um or even just to call that space to go, hey, can we take a break and and come back? Um, can you know, can we just grab a coffee first? Um, and and you know, and then think about this situation. Um, and uh, you know, I had a situation where I with a colleague we um we actually started talking about like, hang on, what's what's going on here? Like, what's your fear? What's my fear? And then when we actually started talking about that out loud, we found that we we weren't actually at loggerheads. You know, we just had you know different fears that mm. were playing out in that situation. So I think there's something really powerful to noticing when fear is is sort of in the driving seat and driving a conversation. And then we can respond to that um, with a sense of like calm or safety um, to kind of like bring it down, scale it down so yeah. that we can um, come out of that fear mode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, a, a point that I just thought of when you were talking then is often we can we can make it too much about us too, rather mm. than thinking about the other person and, and actually asking them, how do you feel? You know, what's, yeah. you know, what's your situation? Why do you feel like that? Um, that might help us better respond as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's a bit like, you know, when we're in that kind of fight and flight situation, it can be a bit like, um, you know, the tired toddler. Um, so, you know, when, when the kids um, are, you know, we're, we're toddlers and they're having that tantrum um, about a shoe, it's like, it's not about the shoe, is it? No. You know, it's the fact that they're tired, they're overwhelmed. Um, and so even that sometimes when you recognize that somebody is in, you know, in, you know it's fear talking, you you don't you don't bother arguing with the toddler about the shoe because you know it's not about the shoe and in the same way maybe that way we don't get caught up in the argument that actually mm. it's not about that at all um and you know maybe it gives us more space to to notice what's really going on and and to be able to speak into or you know do something about the the genuine um things that are that that, that we can do and that we can help with yeah Lots of reflection. What do you hope people picking up this book, reading it, take away? What's the, what's the one thing you're, what's your mission? So my mission, I guess, is to start a fresh conversation about struggle. So given that struggle is something we don't talk about, I want to see people talking about it um, more. And I, my hope is that the book gives people ways of thinking about struggle, um, you know, ways of taking away the shame or the taboo around it, but also ways of starting conversations, whether it's talking about their own struggle or supporting other people in their lives through struggle. So, um, you know, I, I think I was talking to somebody else the other day and I said, um, you know, the, the book is, they, they commented that the book is written in really short um, chapters. So it's the sort of thing you can pick up and read and get something out of it straight away. And it's the sort awesome. of book that you can come back to time and time again. So um, I said, you know, it's like a kettle book. So you can keep it by the kettle. And you know, when you, you're brewing a cup of tea, you can then just like pick it up and read something and get, ah, yeah, that's that's the thing. So you know, maybe next time you're having it, you know, get the book. And next time you're having no shit moment, go put the kettle on, pick up the book and read a couple of pages. Um, mm. So I'm hoping that it'll be kind of practical and, and immediate in, in that sort of kind of situation. But then on the wider scale, I'm hoping it starts some new conversations. That's awesome. 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 I, um, yeah, I love, I love the idea of this book. I think it's an important book for all of us to, um, to, to have a look at, um, to have a read and to better understand our struggles. Um, I was going to ask you a question then about this, this idea of struggle and, and sharing struggles. Do you feel that, and I see this often, particularly in social media, that someone might share a struggle that people often share their struggles on social media. Um, and, and maybe it's just a call for help. I'm not sure. 
Um, but what I often see, the responses are, are very much fluff. They're not really helpful at all. It's just like, oh, no, you're good. It's okay. You know, <laughs> it just really annoys me because <laughs> I don't think it's very constructive and I don't think anything actually happens. Yeah, I think yeah, it, it's really interesting. I think when someone shares a struggle, it would be really good to just um, you know, find out like what is it they need at the time. Um, I think I had a similar conversation with someone who was talking about um, she noticed on um, Clubhouse, which is like a social media platform that's audio only, um, where somebody would open up about something they were struggling with and everyone else would kind of jump in with like, oh, this is what you should do and this is what you should do and here's my advice. And it was like, well, just give them some space. Did they ask for advice? Um, because what tended to happen was that person would then go, oh, no, 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 I was, it wasn't that bad because it was almost like people were jumping in trying to fix them. So I think... Um, That's very think much really a male approach. Yeah. Because females yeah. don't want to have their solutions, their problems solved. Um, I've, I've learned that very quickly with my wife. Yeah. That I, She just wants me to listen. She doesn't want the solutions. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes like what we need is we just need to be heard or, you know, we need a space to express something or to think out loud um, or just to witness it. So sometimes even like just to go, I, I hear you and I see you, um, you know, that can be really powerful. So if mm. somebody's going through a struggle, but actually there's nothing you can do to help them through it, even just to go, I'm with you. I think could be really, really powerful. But then maybe rather than jumping in and trying to fix the situation, maybe just asking, like, what is it you need right now? Um, and you know, and, and sometimes it might be, hey, it's just good to be able to talk about it. Um, and other times it might be, I'm looking for advice, but not always. Um, so I think maybe starting those conversations and it could be that you, you, know, you start a conversation. I've seen it on social media where some people start conversations about um, just keeping it real to go like, oh gosh, you know, like sometimes all we do is talk about these things, don't we? But, you know, behind the scenes, there's also been this, this and this going on. Um, and it's like, I'm not sharing this to look for sympathy or to look for fixing things, but just to share like, hey, this is, you know, the struggle is real. Um, it, it does happen. And I think what that does is it gives other people permission to either kind of put the hand up and say, yeah, me too. Or um, to you know, at least know that, ah, do you know what? It's okay to be vulnerable and to share something that we're struggling with right now. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Lots to take away. Grace, it's awesome to have you back. Thank you for coming on the show. Ah, thanks for having me. Now, people just uh, find you at your website, don't they? Is it gracemarshall.com? Yeah, gracemarshall.com. That's where they'll be able to find me. Um, if you want to go straight to the information about the book, then strugglethebook.com will take you there strugglethebook.com i'll stick both of those links in the show notes guys so check it out at thehiddenwire.com i will also um, put in there a link for the book so you can pick it up from amazon if you wish to purchase a copy grace thanks so much guys listening thanks for uh, tuning in today wonderful thanks so much for having me until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwire.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. 
You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Martin Lutzi. until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon